Good evening, friend. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your weekend? It was busy. I uh, went to um, was it uh, Indianapolis, celebrated my girlfriend's okay. birthday, so it was hmm. it was good. Uh, so very busy though. The and exhausted. One of those, you know, go to bed at two a.m., get up early type things. And, and I my yeah, uh, yeah. my sister's birthday was yesterday. Oh, same with hers. So October twentieth, the the twentieth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of people are are believe it or not, a lot of people do have birthdays in October. It's a big month for, and I don't. I mean, people are knocking boots in January and February. It's got to be what it is. But well, it's yeah, it's Valentine's. Yeah, Valentine's babies and winter babies. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so all the, the the bloom. They say spring is whenever the, you know babies are born. No, spring is when babies maybe are made, but not you know. <laughs> well, that's uh, for animals. I think right? that's mostly for animals. Yeah, yeah. we are animals. So anyway, yeah, it, it, we went down there, watched a comedy club at Crackers Comedy Club, which was pretty fun. Um, I've I've not been to a whole lot of comedy clubs outside of Bloomington, and Bloomington has one of the best, yeah. supposedly one of the best in the country. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like no joke that comedians from L.A. and all over the world write it down as one of the best, you know, mm-hmm. without a doubt. And it's a little bitty thing, you know. Yeah, I've been there twice. I saw um, Chris Hardwick, the Nerdist, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, there with our buddy Cogswell. I mean, they, uh, that's that right. They get they get people time. from all over, like big name people. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's just it's such a small venue. It's so weird that they they fly these people in, and you you know they're what that fits maybe fifty people. You think in that thing? Uh, I wouldn't know. Yeah, it's not very many. And you no. you know I'm I'm within maybe twenty feet at the worst seats from the the person on stage. So uh, you you you've been to Comedy Attic a few times. Yep. Then. Yeah. From from what you're what you're saying, yeah. how often do comedians uh, do a bit about night moves? Not often. They really don't. Not often. I f- I feel like both of the comedians I've seen there did that. They're like, "You guys have any strip clubs in this town?" They're like, "Yeah, what's it called? Night moves." And it's like, really, like the Bob Seger song? <laughs> yeah. No, they they, they it. Every comedian does try to do some kind of local thing. It's like they do their little bit of research right. and do a thing, and it's pretty great yeah. how they do that. But um, no, I've I've seen some people like have Netflix specials and stuff. I remember one guy that was like, uh, he's a magician kind of guy, and okay, sure. he has a, a Netflix special called Netflix for or, or Magic for Humans, and it's really good. Oh, I watched some of that with uh, with Trotsky yeah. when I was in town once. Yeah, he was he was in there, and then like he said, my special's launching next week, so I got to watch him and then see some of the things he did live on the mm-hmm. thing. And let me tell you, it's it's interesting. I don't really watch care too much for magic on TV because you know you can never tell if it's camera tricks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But but like when he did it in person, that guy was I mean, it was just exactly right there in sure. front of my face, and it's really difficult to you know. He was really good. Anyway, so they, they have people like that, and and uh, it's pretty nice. But I went, so I went to Crackers up in Indianapolis, and it was a much bigger mm-hmm. venue, like four times the size, and had yeah. about, I mean, it's weird. They had maybe double the people, but it was a lot emptier because it was so big. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, That's rough. Yeah. And then the 
comedians weren't as good either. So it's kind of right. I mean, the, the headliner was great, but the rest of them were really terrible. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, I I went over to the house again this weekend. Um, my big progress was last weekend. Um, I didn't get a chance to mention it last week in in amongst all of the chat with Justin about Tuesday night game group. But uh, Dad and I got all of the cabinets hung and installed in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. So that's a lot. That was that's a big yeah. That was a big that's a two day job and and I finished up the last one this this past week. It's a big that's um, a big deal. Yeah, we had several issues because I bought these cabinets used on Craigslist mm-hmm. about two and a half, three years ago. And I had taken all the measurements and put them in an app on my on my MacBook and arranged them in the space because they were all stacked up in my garage. And then when we got them out and looked at them, um, I realized that there was an entire cabinet that I had not uh, accounted for. So that was a problem mm-hmm. I had to solve. And so I went back to the computer and rewrite. Well, then when we went to install them, um, I had placed uh, two cabinets that don't have a drawer, right? Okay. Um, so they're supposed to be for a sink or a uh, a cooktop range. Yeah. Not range. That's the whole thing. Just the stove top. Mm-hmm. Um, there were two of those in this collection of cabinets. And um, in my original plan, I had them just out in like a work space in the kitchen. And I'm like, well, I can't do that. I can't have cabinets out here with no sink. I mean, with no drawers. And then I'm going to have to take drawers out of the cabinet that I was using for the sink. Um, And so I rearranged those again. But the way that I had them, the sink would have kind of been spanning two cabinets in order to be centered under the window. Okay. And we're like, yeah, it kind of has to be centered under the window. And then it's like straddling these two cabinets. And that's weird. So... We had to, Dad and I standing there with tape measures, you know, measure work. Okay, we'll put this one here and this one here. <laughs> that's 30 and 36 is 66. And then we've got 24 left. That's just enough for the dishwasher to fit in and like do all that kind of stuff. Um, but the cool part of that, now that I've given all that unnecessary detail, is there was a cabinet that was just a drawer. It was like 10, 12 inches tall. Okay. I don't know where it was in this kitchen. It was a weird kitchen layout. Um, But that drawer was the right size for the one cabinet that didn't have a drawer that had a false drawer front. And so I was able to take those things apart and glue that drawer front onto an actual drawer and reinstall rails and everything so that that cabinet has a drawer again. Nice. Which was pretty satisfying. Nice. Like, ta-da. Yeah. Ta-da. So I did that. Um, we're working on painting all of those cabinets and door and drawer fronts. Um, I put up the trim in the hallway on the second floor. I've talking about that trim for months, but <laughs> got it, got all the baseboard trim painted a couple weeks ago and got, got that first room. Um, trim is a pain in the butt. Yeah, it is. And the, the rest of it is in the bedrooms. And it's it's an old, you know, turn-of-the-century house, so the windows go almost all the way to the floor. What that means is the baseboard trim um, interferes with the bottom of the windows. Sort of how that flow went, because I started with window trim, 
and then realized that it had to, you know, butt up to the baseboard trim. So I had to go take care of all the baseboard trim first and then everything, you know, in the sequence of, of steps there. But it's all it's all good progress. We got um, last week before last, um, dad power washed and spray painted the the back fence, which I we had. Oh, probably two or three years ago, David helped me um, replace old pickets that were that were busted or missing. Um, and we had to move a section of it because I actually don't remember why we moved it. Oh, the old post was like right in a right in a tree. And so we're like, let's just move it like this, make the angle like this and then you know, whatever. So it was very clearly like patched up and stuff, but we got, uh, we actually used red barn paint, but, um, it ended up looking really, really nice. And I'm like, yeah, that'll, that'll be good enough to sell and probably last somebody, you know, another five or 10 years. So that's pretty good. Coming along, getting there every day. Progress. Yeah. Progress. The, I I was, when I was at the hotel, I, I had a, I woke up, I, four in the morning or something and turned on the TV and started watching some shows. And I, it's been a long time since I've watched commercials and then had to like mm. flip through stations, <laughs> you know, at 3 a.m. when there's infomercials. I'm like, Oh yeah, infomercials are still a thing. Um, and so I landed on some home improvement show and there was, it was actually was like a house flipping show. That's what reminded me. Of course. And uh, like, I guess still after five years of not having cable, they're still showing those things. Um, mm-hmm. But uh it made me think like that's all Dennis needs is like fifty thousand dollars and a bunch of people that he pays under minimum wage. That's that's you know think he can get it flipped in like yeah. in like two weeks. You know, right, right. They were there was yeah. no problem, and I kept thinking like he hires or they, not he like this team of people. They were like we gotta we gotta pour concrete for this hole. They're adding a whole like room addition, right? It's another extra yeah. room, and they're like two thousand dollars. It's like two thousand dollars. That's super cheap. Like. They just got like got the concrete. They got people out there. They got people like three or four people there to lay it and put it down. It's only two thousand dollars. That's like how are they? Right. And they're in Florida for a house that's selling for like millions of dollars. Hmm. You're like, who are they paying to? You know, they put stucco on the full outside of the house and it was under two thousand dollars. Like what? Wow. You know, t- tell me how how you do that. The entire <laughs> landscaping for a thousand bucks and you know right. Like okay, you're 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 either not telling me the full story, or you're like definitely hiring some people that under the table or something. Uh, right. But anyway, I was right. like, that's that's evidently all you you need to do is hire a bunch of illegals and pay them nothing, <laughs> and and you'll have your your house done in no time. Yeah, yeah. We obviously have not not done any of that. We did have <laughs> a family friend uh, working very cheaply for us for a little while, um, but he got a different job he for a while was um he's like you um divorced and has two girls but his girls are younger and so he wanted to always be able to pick them up from school mm-hmm. well that meant it was really hard for him to get a quote-unquote normal yeah scheduled job with that kind of uh school time, schools are weird it's one thing you don't realize about like with, with parents is that like schools start like my kid starts at eight and gets out at three thirty. like what job is that mm-hmm. is those hours and you know how is that ex- i don't granted i know their primary goal isn't to be babysitter during so you can work but right that's exactly what it is you know people have to you know 
can't you just keep them for two more hours and teach them more about math? <laughs> it's just yeah, it's it's definitely scheduled around the uh, single income uh, model. Yeah, right. It, two it, two parents, one income. Right, where one just stays home and and cleans the house and does the stuff while and for four hours during the day, and then go pick up the kids. I guess. Yeah, yeah, so, oh, well. something like that. Right, whatever. Well, speaking of parents and kids and and the difficulties uh the difficulties the challenges that that can cause yeah. um let's talk about this netflix series that you recommend i don't think we talked about this on the show uh you texted me i think or i may have I about remember. it yeah I about remember. it afterward yeah um this is a netflix original called raising dion yep. it's a supernatural superpower series mm-hmm. and we watched the whole thing so we're gonna spoil it and then at the at the end, maybe, unless you want to do general recommendations now. It's usually easier if we talk about it for a while and then sure, yeah, uh, let's, do final judgment. Let's talk about it for a while. Okay, so Netflix original Raising Dion, we're going to spoil it for a little bit. And then after that, we'll give you our spoiler-free recommendations. So you had texted me that, I remember, like, after one or two episodes, that it was, what was your word, stressful? Is that what it was? Or stressful, stressful. Probably... At least two, maybe three episodes in, I was like, this show is stressful. <laughs> um, you've got this this single mom with, how old is Dion? He's, he's seven. Eight? Seven. Okay. I've been saying like six, eight. So apparently I was on both ends of, of the line there. <laughs> right. um, he's seven. So he's not, you know, quote unquote, terrible twos. No, he's in, but he's in second grade. He's in second grade, so he's just old enough to, like, really be capable of understanding some things, but still not everything. And it's still solidly in the world of, like, make no logical decisions type stuff. Right. Fully, you know, uh, you know, emotionally driven, no, no controlled, not into the chaos of, like, puberty years, yeah. but, um, and, and not in the, in the full, like, crazy chaos of of being a toddler or a very young child but still right in this and she's a single mom her husband has passed away and it feels like every every person that she has to interact with is not a foil but just antagonistic like if she's the protagonist everyone else in her life is an antagonist like the son does nothing to help her like he's constantly head in the clouds um she's got a landlord supervisor who's just the worst um but but not like you know cartoony worst right like just no just like like this is a grumpy old man who has no tolerance for you know kids any of anything kids or or any of her problems yeah she has this uh what i call the audience surrogate surrogate friend pat mm-hmm. who's the middle-aged nerdy white guy who knows all about comics yeah and was her husband's best friend so he's he's very helpful to her but in a way that's almost a little bit intrusive yep um she's got a sister who is a doctor a surgeon and has you know at least for the first half of the show nothing but like judgment scorn dismissive uh you know she's much too busy for any of yeah. um 
uh, Nicole's problem. That's the the mom character. Yeah, and and the mom the mom is like we 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 get we catch up with her at a rough time in her life where she's right. adjusting to single momhood because I guess the the dad hasn't her husband hasn't been dead terribly long, so she's still no. she's still struggling with years. that. Yeah, and she's just struggling with how to stay on her feet and do things. And she was a dancer before and you can't really make a ton mm-hmm. of money dancing. Uh, <laughs> so she, um, you know, has just trying to live a real life and had, and when the first episode starts, she loses her job because it's because of her kid, right? Like she just, yeah, she's late because she's trying to juggle the schedule of like getting her son to and from school every day. Yeah. Um, even though, over time, Pat helps her with that some. It's still not, you know. Yeah. He's not ready, and then he spills cereal, and she's late for work, and the boss is like, yeah. you know. I, and that's something that I, I liked your term stressful because I didn't know exactly what what to take that as when you first texted. I was like, is it stressful because it's, like, suspenseful or something? And and then now, I after talking to you, I get the, that you're like, it's stressful because everyone is kind of stressing you out with the way that they're handling it. Yeah, and like I... That. I don't. I don't like watching characters panic or or feel helpless. Right, right. that makes me, you know, empathize, and then I feel panicked and helpless, <laughs> and I don't like that feeling. Uh, which, and, which actually, when when yeah. I got that, when I when I realized what you're saying, my reaction was like, oh, that's actually one thing I really liked about it, and that's what drew me to actually start watching this show. Was the, in that first episode, I felt like, oh, this feels pretty real. Like it doesn't feel yeah. it doesn't feel over the top or or too much. This just feels like right day to day pain in the butt single parent stuff that sucks. Yeah, it's not a it's not a judgment. It means it's right that it's right, well yeah. made. Right, that it's effective at what it's trying to do. It just you know <laughs> it, it's like you're right, and it's actually that's a good thing. It's yeah. giving you the same kind of feeling that single parents do have, and and she's a little bit worse because she's didn't have any kind of slow chance at it. It just kind of came on her. Um, but they, I think the actors is what that helped that. I think the actor that plays Dion, the little kid, is an excellent casting choice. Mm-hmm. He never feels like he's a little kid doing a little kid role or anything. Right. He just feels like, I mean, he doesn't feel like he's been fed lines or anything. He's just he's always playing yeah. and just doing normal stuff. It's either it's either a lot of improv or it's actually very well written, and it's not like <laughs> again. Modern Family, where uh, the the daughter, the Asian daughter uh, Lily, is always delivering lines that are clearly written by an adult. Yes, right. No, this one is like Dion is appropriately aged words, and he's he's actually like always doing what kids are at that time. They're always doing something. They're fidgeting with something, or or they're not mm-hmm. looking at you in the face, and their 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 mind is in fifty <laughs> different places. And when you tell them to do something, he gives the, a legitimate like, oh, mom type thing. And then but not actually but not too all much. Three, all three of the, the main primary kid characters, actors, um, Dion, Esperanza and what's the yeah, what's John? The, I guess his name, or? Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. Um, are are all pretty good. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought Esperanza steals every and, scene she's in. <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. she that that actress was sweet she was you know amazing and like mm-hmm. a couple things that i liked i guess that's the that's the real strength i will say this if i'm going to give a, a, a the best positive thing on here is that the show does real good at being normal 
like the things that it does feel yeah. really like that's they're not going over the top. They're not underdoing it. They're showing us these kind of things. And Esperanza is the same way. Like she's clearly a handicapped kid and she's trying to make best friends, but she doesn't get too goofy, but too little. And then when she, he lifts her out of the chair Right, and then she kind of gets disturbed. She doesn't like go crying like you'd like see in a movie where she goes in the corner and throws herself in the pillow. She just kind of looks visibly upset, and then mm-hmm. has to get out of there type thing, and then leaves and doesn't want to talk to him. And that feels right. much more realistic reaction that would happen in real <laughs> life than the movies yeah. do. Right, and and that's how the show does a lot of that kind of stuff. It's you know, uh, uh, Dion doesn't use his powers not because he's you know always terrified and scared it's but he is but he just yeah you know to use his teleporting powers i mean um you know right he's he's not you know it's your it's your typical kind of um you know a character with newly developed powers doesn't know how to control those powers but it's not just because the powers are new which is what we normally see Mm -hmm. it's because he's seven years old, he can't control anything. He can't control he can't, anything. Yeah. He can't pay attention when the mo- when his mom is talking to him. Like, how is he going to control telekinesis? Exactly. Or and, and I love or teleportation. I loved the um, uh, the way that they they do this unique parental type thing. Is that parents? How do I say this on the air? Parents will lie to their kids to get them to sure. do the things they need them to do. Like you know, this tastes like candy when it's broccoli. You know, just because right. they know kids are at that age are completely illogical and they will say, I don't like this chocolate bar because I, I've always hated chocolate bars, you know, just because they're mm-hmm. mad at something. And then right. parents do bait and switches. You know, if you hold this thing, then you become <laughs> immune to all of whatever. And that's kind of when they give him his watch is like, that's a very parent type thing. He can't focus. He can't do stuff. But if you give him this little story, it works. And like right. that fit really well. Again, going to the credit of these are uh, it's a show that's being more realistic to stuff. Yeah, it's a it's I'm glad that you described it that way. The the show that I always mention when I'm talking about this idea of something being made in a way that's realistic, um, except I use it as a as a negative is uh, The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Um, I only saw the first two and a half seasons of The Walking Dead, I think. Whatever. Season two was the farm. Season three was the town. And I think I got maybe two-thirds of the way through through that season three. But the first two seasons, and I mean, even in the first season, I was like, okay, this, first of all, I see why the zombie things have always been movies before this. Mm-hmm. Because if it's long form, like a TV series, you have to keep having story, right? Yeah. Like something else has to happen beyond just... It's not about the zombies. We have to get out of this mall. Yeah. Or we have to survive the night, right? Yeah. There's a reason, like we just watched Evil Dead last week. It's one night. He has to survive one night. Right. And then the story's over. Um, This w- Walking Dead, you spend so much time with the people... And their problems, yeah, their 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 people arguments, yeah. their their rational and irrational, their their emotions, their survival, their you know trust and betrayal and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, all of this feels very real, and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want to watch people 
stressed out arguing like that and and that's and that's a little bit how this is now of course this was a shorter it was just one season although yeah. it's it's possibly set up that it could be a sequel sure there could be a season two but um it it's not as it's not frustrating or boring in the way that i found walking dead yeah um the you know the emotions of the issues the 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 situations happening are engaging enough that that i was not that i was not ever bored right um it just all was very (laughs) real in a way that was that was often frustrating i i i think that the it was it had to have been very intentional either in the script writing or directing or both with the um how how would we handle this like how really how would we handle this you know like mm-hmm. if this happened what would we do in this situation and and i'm sure they sat in a room with i mean the writers or whatever director were, were parents and I'm like well we have to we would do this would we would try this and that's what they do they 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 do things and i i enjoyed how it's like at first they run away, like she's scared. She's yeah. like, "We got to run away," and then they're like, "Well, you can't, you can't live up at the cabin forever." Like they got to go to school still, and yeah. like she still has to go to job interviews. So she has yeah. to figure out like who's going to take care of him. And then I think, in terms of the like, I mean, maybe the whole season or the whole season follows this three act structure in a in a you know overarching way, but. Once she meets the neighbor Tess, mm-hmm. Tessa, yep, um, it turns right like you you get all the frustration dumped on you, and then she finally meets a person who's an ally, who's a true ally. Yeah, right, right. Where everyone else before that is an adversary in some way, even Pat to an extent, though he's you know he's trying to help. It's just not not as helpful right? it's yeah. not as helpful as it could be right um and then that goes for a while and you get the the twist of the charlotte character um right which is cool you get the whole sort of side story with the the son and the farmer that was good again another another weird one that right came that's, out of the way that's the that's the cliffhanger part of the ending yeah. where it could be season two. And then in the last two episodes, you get the, the dramatic climax with the reveal of Pat. Right. Um, if you haven't got spoilers, being, there's the twist. Yeah. I put spoilers yeah. at the beginning. So hopefully you're not still listening if you haven't, uh, yeah. I, if you I haven't seen this. The, the thing I liked that it did too, with this whole like kind of realistic thing is that the first thing your first go to is that like, okay, this is a comic book movie and they're going to do comic booky things and let's find the comic book tropes. And they kind of address that because, you know, Pat being the comic book guys, he, he kind of uses comic book kind of rationale here and there. And then, and then it doesn't always work out right. It doesn't. And also you, you can kind of tell this is silly. Some parts are silly, you know, that, that yeah, he uses it. He uses it to bond with Dion, and then when Nicole's in real crisis and she comes to him like, "Well, you're the expert on this comic yeah. book stuff. Like, what is this and this?" And he's like, "You know that that's not real." Yeah, he's like, "Right, There's, I can't give you an answer because the answer would be stupid. You know, they you would go get yourself a lair in a cave under the ground. You know, it's that just yeah, it's, it would 
it would be it's a weird thing because because the comic book supernatural stuff isn't real but it would be like if somebody had you know lived in a bunker yeah. for their whole childhood with like you know their their dad or something like one other person and then in their mid 20s came out of the bunker and was like oh romantic relationships are a thing that exists right. and here's this person who's who reads all the harlequin romance novels like and then they have a real problem they're like well i went out on a date and they said this you're the the expert on this can you yeah like well no because fiction and reality are two different things which which is nice because in if you watch shows superhero shows any kind of superhero shows uh, these days that try to be i'm going to use air quotes here realistic um right you get you get like arrow from cw and <laughs> you know honestly you, you everyone has it just it's okay he has a lair right like he finds a warehouse that he goes and he trains in i'm like and, and you look at someone like Dion in the show, like Dion, they're like, no, that makes no sense whatsoever. Who would have a, a how would you do that? I got to go to school and, you know, do a job. And so anyway, this show was very much peppers that whole kind of realistic thing with it. Now, on top of it, Dion's powers is pretty cool. I like I like that they didn't necessarily do a training montage type thing. He just naturally got better at it. Mm -hmm. You know, it just kind of in a very seven year old way, he just started to use it all the time. I always liked the the random scenes where she was sitting there in the kitchen and then he, like a Twinkie or something comes out of the thing and floats around back to his room, <laughs> which was pretty great. Um, and also, yeah. I liked that she got over her her panicky. This is not, you know, this is too real type thing pretty quickly. Right. And she became this is normal. Like, I've got a kid that has superpowers, you know, and, and no one's going to believe yeah. me type thing. And I this is my life. That that was right. nice that that happened pretty quickly. So what what did you uh, think of first off? What did you think of the ending, and then the cliffhanger? Um, we talked about this a little bit off the air. Um, I I didn't see the reveal of Pat coming in any way. Neither did I. Um, I did not either. I you know they led up to it by making Pat a little bit more. A little bit less sympathetic, mm -hmm. actually less and less sympathetic. I felt myself uh, uncomfortably sympathetic with him once, you know, he's like in flashbacks getting dumped and stuff like that. Right. But that's not, you know, that's just emotional frustration. Like, he's, right. he's clearly the villain. You know, he's it, it sort of reminds me of um, there's a line in Doctor Who, one of the episodes where a companion asked him if something is evil. And he says... Uh, there are very few things in the universe that are evil, but there are a great many that are hungry. Okay. And so it's like, like you know, like a bear or a wolf right. in the woods. Like that, a wild animal is not evil, right. but it will kill you. Yes. Because it needs to eat. Right. Um, Or you're a threat to him or something, you know, whatever. Um, And, and so and Pat's thing unravels because he has this perfect hopeful plan that he's going to make and then it just she shuts him down and it just unravels everything all at once it unravels like he gets more and more panicky after that rejection and you're like okay like i sort of get that but why are you why are you reacting to this so strongly and then so like if anything was foreshadowing the reveal it was that stuff you're like okay this is this is more than the normal level of reaction that you would have to getting rejected like 
obviously there's an emotional reaction to that, but this is way over the top. Yeah. Um, and so then you see that it's it's more than just attraction and affection for her and Dion that is is driving this desire. It's it's part of his plan for survival. Yeah, which and, and he didn't seem doesn't he didn't <laughs> doesn't really work. Right. But he didn't seem obsessed before, and then as soon as she rejected mm-hmm. him, he seemed obsessed. Mm-hmm. Right. That that was not that we need terrible amount of foreshadowing, and I'm glad that I didn't know that it was Pat, and that was fine. Um, yeah. But but by make he seemed like totally fine with he's at work and did his own stuff. Granted, he was he was always like the the best buddy to Dion, mm-hmm. which is cool, and 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 that makes sense. So I I get the when she starts to she rejects him and then doesn't let him see Dion. That's when he like starts to lose it, right? So I can I can kind of get that. But anyway, the. Uh, the, the the graphics were or CGI or whatever this was pretty good throughout the whole thing I thought um, mm-hmm. the um, all the his powers were really neat I like when he was punching the little kid was punching and teleporting was neat um, the crooked man fight was pretty okay I liked that he couldn't see people yeah that was that was interesting yeah and that and that he now they left a lot open like with the ghosts and stuff. You know mm-hmm. how how that what that's all about, um, and they left it very with by was it Biona? They left that part mm-hmm. all very kind of open. So there's a whole bunch of the world still not told. Um, that that sequence, which is before, I think it's right before Pat gets rejected, where they're still trying to play up Biona as the big bad. Yeah. Um, when they abduct him. That's a classic, like, he can't control his powers, so he can't do anything. Yeah. But that's the exact kind of situation where I'm like, please, can the person with superpowers just start throwing people against the wall? Yeah. And like, yeah. You know, the guys in hazmat suits come. Can he not just, like, obviously the show is PG, yeah. so they're not going to do this, but I'm like can't he just crack some skulls like yeah he has telekinesis like throw the bodies around and f these guys like right. you know again that's me purely emotional right you know reaction to stuff or at but, the very at least i thought he why just teleport out of that van right you yeah know? do do something anything but they they don't do that they resolve the they resolve that conflict in a different way they which, actually resolve it really quickly which i was very happy with yeah it's that kind of um you know, I read a an article once where somebody I forget what show they were talking about True Blood or something where they're like, um, you know, they 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 solved their addiction to binge watching shows by um, stopping shows ten minutes in, like in a forty fifty minute show. Yeah, like yeah. just watch the first ten minutes and then stop it, and then when it gets to the cliffhanger, start the next episode see that cliffhanger be resolved in the first couple scenes, which yep. is often the case yep. and then stop it. Yeah. That would probably I'm work. Like, that's a, right. That's a pretty good strategy. And this one does that same thing. And, and I think that goes back to my earlier point where they're like, okay, so what would happen if people found out, you know, okay, well, how would they, they would come in let's see that scene where they would take the kid and, you know, take him away. And then the next question was, well, how would, how would you naturally react? You know, well, yeah, I would like go what, running what happens, there. what happens if Dion throws a tantrum and, you know, starts ripping stuff apart? Well, you know, things escalate from there. You do right. get Nicole's reaction where she storms in just completely 
irrational, you know, unable to be reasoned with in any way, which is a fully natural, right, you know, reaction. And then she has a conversation with what's her name, yeah, and they make a compromise, and she takes him home, and it's and it's resolved. And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. I could see that's more like, you know, she happens to have a big bargaining chip, which yeah. helps in the form of that that data under normal circumstances you know you see an individual go up against a corporation like that in any way like just trying to get their you know new cable modem fixed or something and it's just you know uh a stone wall right but i would i was um, i was flat out like uh, that scene though i was i'm glad they resolved it quickly because my next thing was like i would have police and lawyers there mm -hmm. immediately you know like that's kidnapping and this company comes and just what you know so right. it was a little bit of pushing. And then the lady, which is nice because Bionica, Bionica isn't the good guys really either because she's very much like we're kidnapping this kid and tough luck, you know. Right. And so they're, they're not bad, but they're not good. But um, Oh, one thing, one thing I do before we change subject to go to the final on this that I want to I really do want to comment on. A lot of shows will have, especially to this day and age, will try to give us a, um, a lesson. They'll try to teach us something. They're gonna like mm. we're gonna have a show about X, and we're gonna and we're gonna pepper it in with this and that and some political thing and modern kind of stuff. And it's sure. and it and it it's the worst kind of things for me these days. I really want to enjoy this kind of show, but not be taught mm -hmm. a lesson, right? Right. It's it, it's really one of my pet peeves these days. For me, it depends on the delivery. Like exactly, if it's, exactly. If it's done in a way where I can actually see a different point of view and get a little bit of you know, this is a a touchy topic you know talking to two middle-aged white guys but right. um you know when when stuff is presented to me in a way where i see the other one i'm like oh that's good i'm glad that you did that because now i i'm better for can, it right. can can have a little more empathy in this situation this right uh, you know to a person in this kind of situation and and this um, movie did that really well i mean and i did and i'm going to point out the scene where the dion is a seven-year-old second grader and is front confronted with racism not right. like overt terrible i mean it's terrible racism it is racism but it's not something like you would see in some big movie where they're only going to they're going to show a point and, oh they're going to pick out some redneck guy and they're going to you know come in a confederate flag and 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 be right, a big racist right. thing with the Nazi swastikas or whatever. They do a very normal everyday kind of thing that people that people of color have to deal with, and then how the adults deal with it and how they have to address it, and then how they address it with Dion was really well done. And it made me sit yeah. there and think, wow, this is you know this is important. And it made you at one time feel very sad for Dion and the actor did Dion did really great with this. Mm -hmm. It's not fair type thing. And the mom was so sad and sympathetic and it was just a really well done. Yeah. Lesson, I, I guess is, is a thing. And, and, and I could sit there as some, again, middle-aged white guy who never had to deal with this kind of thing now sees an aspect of the world that I've never and could never understand and seen in a way which is I thought was a good way to show her kid that racism's a real thing and needs to fight and stand up for it and but not be like now hate on them type thing, you know, or <laughs> Right, right. You know. 
but anyway, that that was that was really well done. And they they do a couple things throughout this show that are like that, where they address situations in a good way without me feeling like they're teaching me a lesson, but they do teach me a lesson type thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure that that was said because this is a good one for that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's good. Okay, uh, in final judgments, um, there's not a lot to say about this without spoiling it. Um, but oh wait, did you, seen... did you like the, the the cliffhanger of the little boy? Because that that was so interesting. I, right there, I get your take on that. It's it's just a big question mark. So I don't know. I mean, I, I liked that the, that the dad was so good and so nice and protective, and the boy seemed super powerful and then weird, and they they just dropped this little thing at the end, like oh he's coming out, and at the just when Charlotte comes visit visit him, how he quickly gets upset that she's leaving him for Dion. And mm. I was like, that was such a good little like pepper way to put in maybe for season two thing, which was that, really cool. That that might have been foreshadowing. Oh, totally. Also. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, didn't I didn't like the sister character. That's your stereotype. Yeah. Hateful Christian character. Yeah. Which is annoying. But, right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's obviously set up without that. You could see it just being one season because it's all resolved. Right. Um, but this villain, but, this villain seems cooler. I, I. What what a neat thing if this show did continue to go on for like say eight years or something and Dion's <laughs> fully into his power and actually the kid's grown up and you know that that's a way to see a superhero story right right yeah yeah okay so sure. final final thoughts on that on this final thoughts on this um again I, there's not a lot to say without spoiling it I I think it's worth watching um having seen the whole season um. It has a satisfying conclusion to the season while still having a little bit of a teaser for season two. Um, the uh, We talked about this in the spoiler section, but the first couple episodes I found stressful and frustrating to watch because of the, um, the realism in, and the uncomfortable realism. And by that, I just mean the interactions between people felt very real in a way that was um that made the the main character feel helpless and if you are like me and can empathize with the main character of something you're watching also made me feel helpless um but that doesn't last the whole show so if you can get through that uh it's worth watching the whole thing yeah i i i will say we we have to make a point that we often bash on netflix originals and and how mm. they throw things to hope it makes it stick i think everyone involved in this project from actors actresses to and directors and writers did a really good job and it is better than a good network tv show you know or or you know i would say it's on par with stranger things season two and three I think that it's just as good as those. Um, yeah, I agree. And and it's it's worth it's definitely worth watching. If you think that like Stranger Things is a fantastic show, then that which it is a good show, uh, then that quality, if not a little better, then is is this show, and this is worth watching. Yeah, it's well, it's not targeting a completely different audience, right. but it's targeting a slightly different audience. It than, is than Stranger Things. Yeah, but. Good, worth watching worth watching and it has michael yep. b jordan in it i know we didn't even hardly say his name but it's so interesting he's, to see a star powered character be a secondary character he's uh mark yep the husband the husband yeah, yeah. okay yep. cool 
Okay, so there's a new... <laughs> Speaking of Netflix originals, there's a new one that just dropped a couple days ago. Um, it's called Living With Yourself. Okay. Yourself is two words. Uh, it's starring Paul Rudd. Oh, that's that. Right. I saw the trailer for that. So... Um, I love Paul Rudd. I, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil this at all. But I, you know, I watch TV at night before I go to bed on my iPad. When I opened up Netflix, it had this banner on it. You know, yeah, living with yourself, Paul Rudd. And I'm like, what is this? I click through. It's a drama that has half hour episodes. Okay. And I was like, nobody does this. Right. Dramas are always forty five minutes long. Yeah. Or more if they're movie channel shows. Um, these are half hour episodes. I was like, well, I'll watch one of them. Like that's 22 minutes. It's nothing. Right. And then I watched three episodes. <laughs> How many episodes are there? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, is it one of, I mean, if it's like 26 episodes, then it's a 13 hour show, just like normal. <laughs> right. Just, just I don't, right. I don't think it's that long. Let me see if I can open this without it. The, it I say, I like, I like me some, me. some Paul Rudd and. I right. had just had on a couple of days ago, um, uh, Endgame, and like I just love every time he's Ant Man in the show, he, just everything he says. And then I liked, you know, My Idiot Brother and a lot of other stuff that he's done. He's just, oh, yeah. there's a for some reason there's a season two of Kaminsky Method too. Oh, really? I I, I kind of liked the first one. Yeah, we we did we talked about it on the yeah. show. It was, it was really good. The real problem with that um, one is that most of the cast may be dead by season three. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, there are only eight episodes of this, so it's not very long. Oh wow, um, that's pretty great. Only a four hour show. Yeah, it's it's just my sister Sarah and I here at the house, and I told her about this, and I was like, "Well, I've watched the first three, so if we want to watch it together, you can catch up." And I didn't watch any of it last night, and so. Right. She's like, yeah, I watched up to episode five. <laughs> so it's it's short and fast moving and kind of compelling. Um, nice. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't want to say any more than that because it because I want you to, I want is, you to is, experience it. I, for I will yourself, say this but. or ask you this. Is it remember Paul Rudd was in another Netflix thing we watched that he was terrible in. He, oh. he was a bad guy. Remember that? I can't remember what it was. Yes. It was terrible. Yes. Um, so is it like that where Paul Rudd's trying to not be Paul Rudd or is he like at least a little bit likable? Okay, so he's he's playing he's two characters playing, right now, right? Yeah, he's playing two versions of himself. He's playing a real he's playing his real self who is a kind of just run down hates his life kind of guy who <laughs> put it this way, he keeps putting off his appointment with a uh fertility doctor because he can't he and his wife can't conceive. Yeah. That that's sort of shorthand for his entire life. Uh that's his that's his main initial persona and then there's a second version of him that is um idealized. It's like um um shoot. It's like Chris Traeger, uh the yeah. Rob Lowe character in Parks and Rec. Yeah. It's like it's like that and they but they're both Paul Rudd and he's just, you know, standing up straight and has his hair better done and, and stuff like that it's nice it's pretty good okay so I'm, i definitely look forward to watching that one the yeah. uh, other netflix thing i'm watching now is the year in space it's a documentary about the guy that goes and lives in space for a oh. year it's pretty cool it's 12 they're 12 minute episodes which are 
are interesting. Oh yeah, that's nice little. I mean, twelve minutes. It's crazy. Bite size. It's like a. It's like a short trek. It's yeah. It um, is. It's. It's. Uh, they kind of take a little topic. Like episode one is his family, him and his family, and how they feel about him going and how what you know he's preparing mm. to go leave his family, and that's all it is. Just twelve minutes of how what it's like to leave your family, and then the next one sure. is twelve minutes of what it's like to be in Russia as an American, you know, astronaut, um, and. It's just a little short topic that gives you a little bit of thing about this kind of journey that he goes on. I don't know how many episodes that is, but it was pretty neat to kind of watch that thing. I remember watching a, uh, it's not, it wasn't Twilight Zone. It's the Alfred Hitchcock show. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like Alfred Hitchcock Presents or something. uh But the format is very similar to Twilight Zone where he talks at the beginning and the end. And then the episode is just a short story. It's, I don't think... I mean, you probably had like a stable of actors, but there was no continuous story. It was just a fully contained story in each episode. And I forget what happens, but basically, basically the guy is in what we now would call virtual reality chamber. I don't know what they would have called that in the 60s, but he's in his town and weird stuff starts happening and over time he becomes just the only person in town for a long time and at the conclusion the twist is that he's in this pod and it's it's nasa doing a test to see how he performs in isolation um but like some part of it he might be in like an induced lucid dream state or something like that i forget right. the other details but um it's funny your remember, space name remember not too long ago they they tried to relaunch the outer limits and then after that like what a year or two ago they tried to relaunch twilight zone those never really just catch on like they used to i think they people have a lot of like fond memories of them in the past and then you can never quite recapture what they were well it's yeah it, i think it's hard with the increasing level of of noise like i tried to go back and rewatch original twilight zone a couple times and it was just so everything was so ham-fisted i'm like right. come on we're not it it doesn't work anymore we've seen all of these storytelling elements and visual elements used so much that it just it just doesn't it doesn't work anymore yeah t- telling uh, a, a i did show watch a series of shorts is kind of difficult ish have lots yeah. of quality ones right <laughs> right right i watched the first three or four episodes of the reboot twilight zone and it was pretty good it's you know it's hard to watch it's like um it's like dark mirror black, right or black it's mirror, like yeah. black mirror but but not as bleak because dark mirror was so bleak right. like so dark uh, what did i say black black mirror black mirror yeah uh yeah yeah <laughs> okay anyway um before we move off the the recommendations meta topic um, I was organizing my Plex server mm-hmm. over the weekend. I've been switched to a new data file storage system, trying to do a raid with some redundancy and stuff Nerd. like that. I don't want to get into those details because they're <laughs> very boring. Um, but I stumbled across a subreddit of people um, sharing custom posters for Plex, which okay. if you don't use Plex, it looks like Netflix or Amazon Prime. It's all your personal media. So I have a library of DVDs and Blu-rays 
from my my parents' mm-hmm. collection that I've assembled all on my computer so we don't have to go find the physical disc. Right. And I found these cool posters. And somebody had posters for um quote unquote custom Star Wars movies. Okay. Um I found these because I have from four or five years ago um a couple of well one guy I think with help from with help from a couple of other people hobbled together what he calls the despecialized edition <laughs> of the original Star Wars trilogy. Okay. He basically took and found whatever footage was available um from various sources and made the movies put the movies together in the way that they looked in the theater. Sure. Um because you can't buy that anymore. Right. I think at the time we were watching one of them when we got my data projector and my brother Andrew has the original trilogy on VHS, which is before right. they did the special editions. Now the special editions are all you can buy. Yeah. Um anyway, so I had those and so I was looking for posters on Plex and I found these fan edits of actually all three or not all three done, but they've done them for He's done them for, I think, most of the movies that are out. Um, but I was particularly interested in the prequel trilogy. Okay. Um, so I've I've downloaded the first one. Um, it's the footage from um, um, Phantom, Menace. Phantom Menace put together into a slightly different, but presumably, supposedly superior story. That's going to be interesting. Okay. Yeah, like I'm, editing I'm and stuff? Of, Yeah, it's just editing. So I I don't know. I just stumbled across this today and downloaded it. So I thought that we should check it out. And uh, like, do they have different voiceovers for the Japanese racist kind of things? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know any <laughs> anything about it other than other than what I've told you. I I think in the notes he did do something with a lot of that kind <laughs> of stuff to make it less. Uh, culturally insensitive but uh, yeah Uh, yeah, if you have time this week uh check that out and then and then we'll we'll maybe talk about it who knows maybe we've got a a, a better than last jedi phantom menace (laughs) all right right Right. that's a not a not a super tall order but (laughs) that's right for for all we bash on last jedi uh it's definitely better than phantom menace (laughs) that's right it it Um, it sits i think it sits somewhere in the uh attack of the clones ish area i think that uh episode three is definitely better than last jedi that's my own opinion hmm. it's been a long time since i saw yeah. any of those i think i watched i watched phantom menace like with riff tracks within the last two years but uh which is the mystery science theater uh thing well when once hayden christensen goes evil you're like okay this is what the role he was meant to play not anything right. else like, right just go, not a yeah. not a not a a broody love interest. No, he's terrible at everything else he does except complete <laughs> jerkwad. And then he works fine. So, yeah. Then, um, then I'm like, I like that. Uh, okay, so, yeah. So, let's see. We're almost at an hour here. Do you... I finally watched the movie yesterday. Do you want to talk about that at all? Oh, uh, sure. I saw that in the spring. Uh, way back when, actually. Yeah, the first I remember you saying that it was a... a, a romance movie yep and and it it had beatles stuff with it but it wasn't the the beatles weren't necessarily the main thing it's one of those like i forget where this came up but somewhere in conversation in the last couple weeks somebody brought up the idea of 
whether or not you need to explain something by you, I mean the show or mm-hmm. a movie or or a story, anything like that, like exposition. Yeah. When we talked about those X Men comics last week and how they're just info dumps, what we call, or blocks of exposition in, yeah. in interspersed in the story. Um, this is an example. This movie yesterday of really nothing is explained. Uh, I watched this with, I watched this with all of my family that are here, my parents and my sisters and several times because I was the one who, you know, red boxed this movie and, and we watched it. They kept asking me, they're like, what's, has he, is it? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never seen this. I'm I'm watching it for the first time too. I know (laughs) as much as you do. I mean, maybe for the first 10 minutes, I knew that it was leading into this world without the Beatles thing. But yeah. um, other than that, I, I had nothing. And the movie doesn't delve too much into that. Like it, no. it's, it's a thing for sure. And you want to say it's the main part of the thing, but not really. It's just kind of like, it's the backdrop. That's the backdrop yeah. that we're, that we're living in here, you know? Right. And uh, which is good. And, and, you know, actually it's, if you're, I'm sure if you're a Beatles fan, I will admit I know probably the the big Beatles songs, but I am not a rabid Beatle fan by any stretch. And okay. and uh, I, here's to tell you how bad I, I was. Not until last this last week or two weeks ago, when I went on my trip uh, with Shelley, was that um, that I realized that they put out like hundreds of songs. I I didn't know how many that that they only put out like three albums. Um, oh wow! But they had put out many, many, many. Um, so that they put out it, in a short period of time. Like, I think they were only really active for like, you know, if we have any true Beatles fans, listeners, they're yelling at their phones right now. But um, I think like six or seven years. But mm-hmm. in those six or seven years, they were putting out like two and three albums a year. Yeah. Say so that that it's I, I did not realize that much. Um, and And like I said, I'm not putting them down or. I'm just not that whole like Beatles have Beatles created music. You know, there's a lot of people that are like, there was never music made before in the world before the Beatles. <laughs> and now everything we have today that we listen to in the world is owed to the Beatles. And I'm like, okay, calm down. Um, <laughs> sure. Right. And so I like, I like some of their music, but I'm just not that big. So this movie got, you know, had a lot of that. Oh, I really like that song, which they have many of. Right. And I'm like, Oh, I like mm-hmm. that song. And Ooh, I gotta remember to go listen to that song. Yesterday is one se- of them. You know? Several times, several times, many of my or individual of my family members were like, "Oh, is this is that a Beatles song? Is that a Beatles?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, that's right. one too. Yep, that one is too." <laughs> right, right. So it, it's that was nice. I mean, it was nice to it, it very much had a, a Beatles fan in the writing room or writers, you know, and yeah. and they really loved the. And the director really loved it, and they did lovingly represented the things. How did you feel? You're, I wait. I should ask. Are you a big Beatles fan? I mean, not huge, but several of my like, well, maybe not several. But when I was in college, there was a guy on my floor who was a huge Beatles fan. He, you know, had piano lessons growing up and all mm-hmm. that, and so he knew all the songs. He definitely knew way more than I did. Um, and in that acquaintance chip, whatever yep. friendship interaction I had with him, um, 
is a, a notable point in my in my memory where in the early 2000s when I was in college, so post Napster, right, into yeah. MP3s, which <laughs> <laughs> anybody, well, whatever, of an age should not even know, like into the digital music, not, not yet post CD, mm-hmm. but getting close to post CD era. Right. Um, listening to an album straight through chronologically. Yeah. Right. That's a thing that used to be the only way, like you heard songs on the radio and you listened to albums all the way through. Yeah. If you had a, if you had a vinyl or an eight track or even a cassette, you listened to it in order. The songs came after another, like you didn't listen to a song in isolation unless you were listening to the radio. And, uh, my friend talked to me about the album Abbey Road. And so I, I probably just downloaded it, but, um, I downloaded and listened, listened to it all the way through. There's a big break in between, um, um, I want you, she's so heavy and here comes the sun, which is a dramatic tone shift. Yeah. It's also the flip. I want you. She's so heavy is the end of the a side. Here comes the sun is the beginning of the B side. And then the whole like second half of the B side is all of these really short, like one minute songs. If you're in MP3s, but on the album, it's really just one medley of songs just goes one right into the other. But that experience for me was like, it was a little bit eye opening to go, Oh, this is a, this is a whole thing. Like, an album is not necessarily just a collection of songs. We're like, okay, we got it. We can fit one more song on here. So let's just write another one and slap it on there. We got these songs and it's good. The album was a, was a thing. It was like a play Yeah. where you, you brought all the pieces together and you put them in this order and you fit. And a lot of that was driven by technical limitations, Yeah. but it also was part of the craft. Right. Um, so that means you are a Beatles fan. I don't. I don't know if that. I don't know if that answers that question or not. But I do have. I don't have all of their albums, but I have a lot of their albums on vinyl. I think on the podcast we've talked about. Um, I put on my list, and for Christmas, I think a year or two ago, got the remastered Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, mm-hmm. where they um, took as much of the original tape material that they could and redid the stereo mix because the original stereo mix was bad. Like stereo was new technology. And so they were just messing with it. Like, let's put everybody, but John's vocals and guitar on the left side and put just John and the guitar on the right. And you lose all of the bass and drums in that. Um, it's a bunch of technical audio stuff, but yes, in general, every, <laughs> You're definitely every, a bigger every, fan than I am. I can say that. Every song that he sang in this movie was a song that I recognized. All right. Well, Let's like, say it that way. The Say that the, the show was a good sh- show, movie, in its, um, in its story, but it wasn't necessarily, like I said, about the Beatles or they weren't like constantly doing stuff centered around the Beatles. The Beatles were just the backdrop, except... For one scene that seemed to me to be a like this is a nod for the fans, and that's when they go and meet um, John, played by mm. played by Rumpelstiltskin from 
uh, Once Upon a Time, and he was in Stargate. Oh, Universe. really? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that was him. Yeah, that was him, and he looks a lot like him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and that's that was that was pretty cool. I thought. I mean, again, not not a not a huge Beatles fan, but like in this world where he wasn't famous, he lived. <laughs> Obviously, right? He just lived, and he lived a full life. Yeah. It's um the way I thought of this afterward is it's like somebody who just really loves the Beatles and I I was tempted to to put that person in an age bracket but I'm you know I was born in 1981 I'm way too young I mean even my parents were not really aware of the Beatles yeah um you know they were like in grade school um and so I didn't experience it but I was exposed to it in life and, you know, at the right time where I was receptive to it and said, yeah, this is, I mean, we've talked before about my relationship with nostalgia and origins mm -hmm. of things to say like, yeah, I mean, people get hyperbolic with stuff about, you know, nothing would, would whatever, whatever, but um, just acknowledge this massive cultural impact. So all that to say, say a person with, that with my level of respect or higher for the Beatles, obviously to imagine this world where in 2018 or 19, some of these lyrics are still as impactful as they were in the sixties um, is a little bit reaching, but see that that's what I was going to say too, is that I like these songs and I do. And, and the ones that they played were, were pretty fun but I'm not mm -hmm. sure that the, I'm not. I, I think that saying that they would, you know, be the best in the whole wide world and they would go on every top record the way they did before. I'm not sure that would be true. It's a little it depends on the song. Like some of them are still incredible, amazing. And some of them are like, sure. yeah, that's just a happy, clappy, like 60s, 60s love ballad. Like it's right. like it's nothing. But Anyway, like, I, like imagine would I, I, go huge. Of course, it would still be huge. Right. right? You know, um, I, I got lost in my own uh, um, <laughs> context there. But, you know, in my mind, I picture a person who is a huge Beatles fan and has watched or read enough superhero comic book sci fi stuff to go. What if we took the idea of a multiverse? Except there are no superpowers. It's just normal stuff. Yeah. Right? Like, multiverse stuff is always like, you know, um, you go back to Mirror Mirror in Star Trek. Yeah. You're like, well, here we've got the Terran Empire. Yeah. Spock has a goatee, and they're all evil. Yeah. Or, you know, in any number of of the comic book things where you're like, well, in this universe, um, uh, Bruce Wayne gets shot in the in the alley and Thomas Wayne becomes Batman. Right. Or, or even, you know, in this world, zombies are real in this world. You know, uh, we live there's, you know, in a place post-apocalyptic world where the Russians took yeah. over, you know, it's always I mean, something like that, but this is a multiverse. It's the whole like, kind of, it's the whole kind of meta, um, category of speculative fiction, but somebody says, okay, so you start out in our normal universe where we understand everything. Mm -hmm. And then jump to a universe where most things are the same, but a couple things are different. And they keep doing that throughout the movie. I thought that bit um, was the best, actually. It was like when he, they didn't have Coca-Cola or something. They didn't. Ha they only had Pepsi. Yeah. Uh, there were never cigarettes. 
which is great. Um, you know, just these things there are little, but w- w- he notices them, you know, like what they actually do. I'm going to hit the bell here. Yeah, I'm going to spoil the ending. Uh, in the, what I think is the original theatrical release ending, um, they do the thing where he's, he, he mentions Harry Potter. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And she, she's never in the alternate ending, yeah. which is on the Blu-ray. Um, they, in, there are two things different. Like instead of them going home and, you know, sleeping together. Yeah. Uh, they, sort of they do a, a a series of they do a montage of scenes of their relationship building it's basically the same it's just without the heavily implied sex scene mm-hmm. um and then they do the same waking up window scene except it's her and she says you're like harry potter and you finally defeated voldemort and he says who <laughs> And okay. so you're like, oh, wait, the original world wasn't our world. It was a world without Harry Potter. Oh, I like, get it. I see. Just kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I like, you know, I didn't really, I honestly didn't think about it as a multiverse movie. And now that you say that, I was like, oh, that's exactly what it is. I didn't, yeah. I didn't get that. The, uh, I, I was thinking like time was, his timeline was changed by like, oh no, now that you're mentioning it, he's in a different multiverse thing, which actually I thought was also a nice little surprise twist that they did where that there are other people. That the were other people fr- from his timeline type thing. And That's the like it's it's a twist where like you think that they're nefarious. Right? Yeah, like they're, they're going to catch him. They're like, you, did you think nobody was going to find out? You're just going to become a superstar on this music that's not yours, you know? Because that's yeah. his fear, right? He's got this massive yeah. imposter syndrome going on because it's not right. And they they play into it with all of his not all of his, but like when he interacts with um, Kate McKinnon at the um, yeah at the label and they're like, we're going to call the album just one man. And you're like, okay, movie, let's pump the brakes a little bit. here, Right. Right. Well, the, the, that's why something I gotta say, I did not like about the ending because he's a good guy. That's likable and loves the Beatles. Obviously is a big fan and his bringing it to the world. Yes. He's profiting on it. Yes. He's successful, but he wasn't like a complete douchebag you know, guy. I mean, he had issues with his fame, but it wasn't one of those stories where, you know, fame makes you a total, total dill hole. I mean, he was still a kind of a good guy. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I, when he meets the other people that also know they support him, they're like, we're just glad somebody's bringing their music to the world. I kept thinking like, good, just continue this. Just go ahead and put the music out there, you know, t- going out there. And he says, I'm going to make these like when he, Again, spoiler thing here. When he says, oh, I'm right. I'm just doing copying somebody else's song. That's not true. These weren't ever made. Those guys never made that song. You know what I mean? They never did. He's not stealing anything because they never made it. Sure. Right. I mean, it's kind of one of those things that like someone, you know, gets an epiphany and says, I heard this thing in my head and I just had to write it down. (laughs) Or like, you know, well, did you make that or did you hear it from, you know, whatever. So I, I was his whole reveal of like, I, I didn't do it. I don't worth worth this was kind of like, bleh, whatever. Like mm. you got up there, you sang them, you sat through the whole thing. You got on. I tour. mean, it's it it plays into the whole like um, revering the Beatles aesthetic exactly. of the whole yeah. movie. So, right. Yeah. I 
I thought it was good. If you have even, you know, if you're not one of those degenerates who hates the Beatles yeah. um, and you don't mind a little bit of love story, this is a, this is a good movie. Yeah. And, and he, he's a, he's a likable character, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's likable all the way through and, and his, the, the love interest is also a likable character and it's, it's yep. all pretty likable. I think Kate Lily McKinnon James. is probably the, the worst of it. <laughs> I, I, Her portrayal I, is good, though. Right. Uh, and Ed Sheeran was actually okay. I mean, yeah. the Hey Dude was a little bit wrong-worthy, but, <laughs> but the, the uh, yeah, they even give him a ribbon about that. You're like, really, Hey Dude? He's like, I know. But <laughs> that's funny. I, I did like the, uh, the was it Song Ride Off or whatever it was called when Ed Sheeran comes out and does something. And then yeah. that was very he, kind of heartfelt, right? What did what did he do? He did like Long and Winding Road or something mm-hmm. like one of their more, uh, more wordy songs. And, and, and he know. and he plays it in Ed Sheeran, which is great because he's not like an actor or anything, but he does a very serviceable job in this. And when sure. when they're like, okay, let's vote, and he's like, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. Like you know, today's modern number one songwriter, mm-hmm. just completely awed by. The Beatles stuff, which that's true, though. I mean, he, like modern day people, even the best singer songwriters aren't going to be as good as what the Beatles were in their prime. Right. They just. Well, right. yeah. I mean, for one thing, it was two guys. Right. Like one of the one of the unique aspects of, of the Beatles music is there were these two very different people, like often working on the same song. Um, and so you got different. You got you know, some like cynical element in a very happy poppy kind of song. And it, uh, you know, created some very unique, uh, material. That was Paul McCartney and John Lennon, right? And John Lennon. Yeah. Okay. And then every, every once in a while they'd let George write a song and, uh, and then very, very seldom let Ringo write a song and ended up with yellow submarine. I, that's great. I heard, I heard, which is actually a really famous song that I know. <laughs> Did you ever see, um, did you ever see the movie I Am Sam? I have not. No. With, with um, Sean Penn? I have not. It's an older movie. He is playing a uh, mentally challenged adult. Uh, the guy who... I forget how. He ends up like with a, with a baby and like raises them. But he's obsessed with the Beatles, and so he's constantly talking about uh, different things. That was one of the other things, too, that made me a little curious about the Beatles when I saw that movie. A well, more curious, I should say. I I liked it as I, I liked it as well. But si- since we're doing like an all movie kind of type night, <laughs> let's go ahead and we only got a little bit of time. Let's kind of squeak in our our twenty twenty challenge. For a so this one I didn't. I will admit, wasn't my cup of tea when <laughs> the first time I saw it. It's just okay. it's just this is um, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. The, the uh, Hannibal Lecter thriller, right? Suspense thriller. Suspense thriller, crime drama. Um, right. 1991, Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins. Right. And I I don't, I know we say this a lot, but I really don't have much to say about this this movie. It's, uh, I say it's just not my cup of tea, that, that freak you out type thing. Mm. It, it, 
just like the other one made you uncomfortable. This one makes me uncomfortable from the whole like (laughs) creep out type thing. Like I just get out of there. I just, none of this is worth this. You know, her whole thing going in to talk to him in the first place is like, it's no, just no, just, you know, it's terrible. And then then they're constantly showing Buffalo Bill and his, like none of that. I want to know. I don't want to see, I don't want to realize, recognize that that's a thing in the world. Um, I'd rather be ignorance is bliss type thing. So, gotcha. it, and it is the same thing watching it through the second time. I, I, I kept, I had, I had only watched it once and right. there, and it, it probably now that I'm older creeped me out even more because of, I was more aware of like the, the lotion thing and how he's, mm. you know, <laughs> it's just, Oh, you know, he's trying to skin him and where it's just, that was right. Right. Um, Okay, so if you are still listening, um, have not seen Silence of the Lambs and intend to, we're probably going to spoil parts of it, so I'm going to hit the bell. He eats people. Yeah, in the in the past, he doesn't. You don't see him eat any people in this movie. No. Um, this this one's tricky for me because I don't know how old I was when I watched this, but I said last week when we were talking about Evil Dead that I was always more drawn to the psychological thing. If you're going to show me just five straight minutes of like fake blood or worms crawling out of a eye socket or something mm-hmm. disgusting like that, I'm like, yep. no, that's, I agree. That's not like, uh, if, yeah. if, uh, let's, let me put it this way. Both of these genres are trying to, they're a little bit of, um, I don't want to say self-abuse, but it's like a like a challenge, right? Like, see how much you can take sure, of it. Like, see that. if you can handle it. It's a little bit of a, of that kind of thing. Um, and And in that meta category, given the choice between abusing your lizard brain survival instincts, which, you know, in that category, I put stuff like jump scares, mm-hmm. seeing really gross imagery like stuff that's just going to give you a a physical visceral emotional again lizard brain kind of reaction um and on the other side stuff that's going to sort of maybe mess with your head a little bit make you think about and look and you know whatever the gross disturbing thing is it's it's in your head because the movie's not showing it to you. It's describing it to you in some way. Sure. Um, I forget what movie we saw. It was something on this list where there's an autopsy. Okay. And th- they don't show the body. They just show the doctor reacting and narrating the autopsy. Okay. I don't remember that. I, I can't remember which movie that was. I don't think it was Stand By Me. Um, but it was something like that. I don't remember. I mean, it was more common back before we had super convincing special effects. Yeah. Um, but this movie does a little bit of both. Um, oh, I never completed my thought or maybe I don't think I did. Between those two options, I prefer the, the mental one to the emotional one i guess is the best way to it's it's tough for me to, right 
It's tough for me and to put s- that on in in between those two or compare those two things because I don't I honestly don't see this one as a scary movie or a Halloween or a horror movie. I, I think they're like to me they feel like completely different genres altogether. Like sure. I, I wasn't scared at all at this movie. I was right. I was creeped out at this movie, but I wasn't scared. You know, were and, you creeped out by Evil Dead? No, no, and, and it that is but that. That didn't creep me out at all. I mean, Evil I Evil Dead is like you said, jump scares and mm-hmm. you know over the top type uh, stuff, and that that's different. That is adrenaline pumping stuff. That is to, to get your heart pumping, put the chemical into your you know give you that instant mm-hmm. hit type yep. thing. And yep. this one is more like damaging to your psyche long term, <laughs> you know. And which, to, in my opinion, I'd rather have the jump scare, adrenaline searching. Yeah, that's work, which makes me. That's get up. fair. That's fair. You're not. You're not wrong about that. Right. But um, but they're not the same genre. So I I don't think it's kind of like saying comic book movies versus you know I don't know uh, Science of the Lambs. They they're just different. They're not the same. Yeah. Me, well, it's it it's like um you know it's just the meta category like. Horror and thriller are usually put together in the same way that fantasy and sci-fi are usually put together. But sure, yeah. if, if somebody's a fan of what, you know, there are a lot of people who say, you know, they'll watch sci-fi all day, but they won't watch fantasy. And I'm like, you're okay. right. And I can see how these two are in that same kind of thing. That that line's a little blurrier than right. than the line um, between horror and thriller. Right. But um, yeah, all, I, I do see thriller as a different kind of thing. I really do. So so this it one is. was and this one's weird. This this movie does a lot of um creeping you out with with dialogue and acting mm-hmm. and cinematography. Um right. something I didn't notice the first time that I watched this is how often actors are speaking directly into the camera. Oh yeah. Um I didn't notice it my sister pointed it out. And then, then of course, I, I did notice it because it it happens at various times when you're supposed to, um, you know, feel the the various unease. And of course, um, Anthony Hopkins is masterful in his creepiness. In oh yeah, fantastic! All of all of these scenes, all of these interactions, and then which he, every he would, once the in a movie while, wouldn't have been good without him. It w- they couldn't have been made without him. It's just no, he, he made, no, yeah. right? And um. Jodie Foster is also really good. I definitely buy her look of this character being like as um, whoever says, I think it's, I think it's Hannibal says to her like one generation removed from white trash. Yeah. Like, yeah, she's, she's normally, you know, in her other roles doing a normal accent and, and, and that kind of stuff. But I can see like, she's very attractive, but I could see if she, you know, was made up in a normal, like I'm trying to think, uh, I think Charlize Theron did this in a movie playing like a trailer trash kind of, kind of person. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I'm like, yeah, this, she fits perfectly in this role where like she's here, but she doesn't fit in. She's, you know, it's, this is 1991. So there's still a little bit of this man's world kind of, yeah kind of setting politics dealing with um i saw this and i probably started to say this at the beginning but 
I saw this like when I was in college somewhere, plus or minus in those years, and really liked it and appreciated it for its creepiness. Yep. And so it's hard for me to watch it again now and go, is there anything different with it? Like it all holds up, but I always knew what was coming, at least at a high level. Yeah, Um, sure. You know, I knew at some point we were going to see Buffalo Bill, and I knew that he was making a suit out of the skin. Um, You know, the few handful of iconic lines everybody knows about the lambs and the lotion in the basket kind of stuff. Um, It was funny because we had two uh, dogs in the room with us. One one of the golden retrievers, that's Sarah's, and um, my youngest sister has a a corgi. Mm Mm-hmm. And so when the scenes in the movie with the dog where like she gets the dog to come down the well and on all the, and the dog is barking, like the dogs would look up and look toward the TV. <laughs> like they heard a dog barking in distress and couldn't figure out where it was. That's right. What's going that on with that? Funny. That's funny. Well, the, the, for, for me, like I said, it was, it's, it was kind of the same thing. This is, this is, one of those movies that I have to mark down, and, and as we roll into the final judgments here, I it just I just not going to agree with ninety percent of the world just because it's just not my kind of movie. Not because it's bad or anything. It's a great movie in itself. I just does not fit into my kind of movies. So sure. just just for that reason, simple, I have a really difficult time getting into it. And you know what? Actually, now that I realize that it's the same reason like we had with, with uh, finding Dion. It's that I don't like feeling the feeling when I watch it. I don't like mm-hmm. how it makes me feel. Sure. Right. And, and it, and it never stops with that feeling and the ending doesn't help. And when you're done watching it, you still <laughs> feel awful. And I'm like, yeah, this is not my kind of movie. I don't like going through that tense, long f- burn feeling. And then walking away saying like, Oh, I feel dirty or, mm you know, rotted somehow, you know, and, and it's, that's a good thing that it's doing. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do for me. Not my cup of tea. This director, he did Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. I've never seen that. It's a good movie. Um, but a lot of things, a lot of things I've never seen. Of course, this movie, uh, sounds of the lambs, is one of the few movies I found this out watching a YouTube video. Um, it's one of the few movies to get the five. In 1992, it won Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. Okay, I, I still say in in retrospective, this was made by. Anthony Hopkins, and if you look at the other one, we used that it was big. Uh, Philadelphia was only made because Tom Hanks. Like that's mm. the, the only reason those movies were good was because those people were in them. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. It's just interesting to see like you know directors and and what they make. Like there, I'm sure there are several that um, you know are well acclaimed for a couple movies, and then have a lot of others that are just that are just mediocre. Unless you're um, um, Tarantino, who's only made nine movies. Right. I, I wonder. I always, I do wonder how many times somebody gets a script, script, and they write a script, and and they're like, 
they they think it's pretty good. They think they did a good job, but you have that. I'm sure they have imposter syndrome type thing. And then mm. like a really crazy good actor gets it and makes it way better than what you could ever what you wrote. And and you're like, how much it surprises them, and how much all of a sudden the movie's so huge because when without that, you just have a kind of an okay movie. And then all of a sudden one right. piece and it could be sometimes director. Maybe it's just an okay movie. And then a director comes in or a cinematographer and has Vista shots. Like it was just a normal movie before, but these people. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I mean, we've, we've talked, we've said several times on several of the movies on this list, like, you know, X, X actor or whatever, like one aspect of it makes it. And yeah. that's, you know, a, a lot of times that's just like you, you can't imagine anyone else playing this role. Exactly. Um, but there's so much to it, you know, director, actor, screenplay. Yes. Interaction, chemistry, cinematography, score, um, like all of those things need to be there for something to be really good and to stand the test of time. Like, well, you can have yeah. a really a really contemporary score soundtrack to something and it'll be fine at the time like terminator and then if you come to it for you know like me you come to it for the first time 30 years later and you're like uh, yeah this music yeah sure um, yeah the the that's why for me as a guy who has watched a lot of movies i think in general is that to appreciate the extra things like if this movie's good i do like to sit and periodically think like recognize that what I'm seeing is because the director is making this movie great. Like I like, I like to recognize that or even better. I like to recognize that this movie is so good because of the costumes, right. Or the, the mm -hmm. makeup artists. This was so phenomenal because what the, the love that they did to the Lord of the Rings, you know, and every armor, mm -hmm. every, or the Marvel stuff, even like Captain gotcha. America's armor looks worn but natural but you know that mm -hmm. kind of stuff is what I, I really do like to appreciate that i can i think these days now and look and see like what's making this movie great is something that you're not recognizing you know sure uh, which is often that's what they're trying to do is to not be recognized but yeah and then sometimes good movies are just terrible because you can't get past the fact that they're wearing like cw clothes or everyone's attractive <laughs> you know what i mean like everyone right. is a 20 something year old person right right because they just don't get it all right. So in final judgments, um, you sort of said this in the spoiler, but I want to put a clear yeah, break here sure. so we can end the spoiler section. Um, uh, why don't you go ahead first? Sure. Uh, this is a great movie that uh, I can absolutely see why it belongs on this list. And um, in, I'd say probably 90 percent of the people's uh, opinions, this would belong on their bucket list. Um, for me, it wouldn't. It's just not my kind of movie. Um, I don't like the way it makes me feel, it, even though that's what it's supposed to do. But these kind of movies aren't my favorite kind of movies, and I try to avoid them in general. So if you ask me 100 movies that I want other people to see, this is not one that I care to make other people feel that way. Because I don't. Um, so okay. for me, no. And in general, you're not following my sort of conception that that the list should try to hit one of a lot of right of every different type yeah no I, yeah that's i mean that's your list but my list is just that's, one so you're right 
That's what I'm, yeah, that's yeah. sort of what I'm asking. Right. Um, for me, I think, uh, you know, unless you're, you know, I always give these disclaimers kind of things. This is a psychological crime thriller, but if you've seen more recent stuff like the Fargo series or True Detective or even The Sinner, we watched that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mindhunter is very similar to this, though it's set earlier before the FBI even had um, any kind of reliable profiling for serial killers. So it's more, you know, about the origins of that, at least what of it that I've seen so far. It's very good if you like that kind of thing. It's um, uh, uh, David Fincher on Netflix. Um, so unless you, if you've seen anything like that, um, you're going to be okay with this. It's disturbing, but not visually disturbing. I mean, there's just a little bit of, of visual disturbing. It's mostly psychologically disturbing. Um, but the acting is excellent. As I said in the spoiler section, it won five Academy Awards, mm-hmm. which matters to it some really, people. It truly is. They're great. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, he's, I uh, think, he's good. I think in this, in this genre of psychological horror thrillers, um, it it still holds up, you know, thirty years later. Uh, in my mind, so yeah, yeah, that's that's my. So what do we got? What do we take. got next week? Is, we're next still on, week, we're still this, on a Halloween time for yeah, our time. Maybe at least one more, and maybe two more. It'll be November, I think. Before no, right. maybe not. We'll record one more show in October. So right. Um, yeah. On the list, we have The Shining. The Shining. That's have, a scary movie. Have you seen that? I have not seen this movie. I watched uh, uh, Ready Player One. Does that count? <laughs> I went to the bathroom during that scene in oh, Ready okay. Player One. But, right. uh, um, so I'll do a little bit of setup here, so we'll see okay. if my uh, opinion perception changes. When I was in college, I read the book, The Shining. Oh, and, okay. you know, when I was in college, I was right at that age of, you know, collegiate hubris. Right? <laughs> to sorry. say like oh were you like a book is better than the movie the, type bu- thing? the book is better than the movie okay. um i learned i learned that sometimes that's very true um yes. i read count of monte cristo before watching the movie and mm-hmm. so to see an attempt to cram the entire novel of count of monte cristo into like a hundred minute movie mm-hmm. was just a disaster. I was like, there's so much of it. The, the whole ending is different. It, you know, whatever. <laughs> See, I, I loved it. <laughs> and that, yeah, that's the, the ignorance is bliss kind of thing. Right. I mean, that's I a don't whole, know anything different. Yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole topic. I mean, I, enough time has passed where I would almost say, if you're only going to experience the Lord of the Rings one way, the story in the movies is really well told. Yeah. Um, I know that's, that's, uh, um heresy to to no, say I, I would totally and, agree i've read the books and i would totally agree i mean i yeah i read the books too that it's that goes into my you know respect the origins kind of perspective from when i was younger you but, can res- you can respect the origins and still like a different tale from it exactly yeah um and so i read anyway i read the novel mm-hmm. stephen king the shining um it's Every bit as creepy and um, unsettling as any horror or thriller movie, right? You just get to read about 
what goes around and around in a guy's head as he slowly goes insane. Yeah. Um, and so when I watched the movie, I was like, this is nowhere near as scary as that book was. Like sure. a book, it takes so long to read a book that for a couple weeks I was going to bed like, doing double takes at shadows and stuff because i was so <laughs> unnerved by this book and so then just to sit for two hours and watch weird stuff happen in a hotel was not scary to me at all so right. we'll see i the, i've sort of spoiled my own um reactions to this movie but i also watched that movie at least 15 years ago so it's possible that i maybe can can have some better kind of appreciation for it now We'll yeah, this see. will be this will be interesting to see for me because uh, this I have a feeling this is one of those you know everybody it was big at the time and hit people at the time, but I'm not sure if it's going to hold up. I have just I'm wondering about that the most. A lot of Stephen I mean, King it, movies don't necessarily hold up, right? This is I mean it's Jack Nicholson, so yeah. I mean I'm sure he does great, but you know sometimes pretty, they're pretty right. fantastic. But yeah, okay, so cool. Not not one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But which, <laughs> right. which I which I do like that one. Yeah, that that's a good one. Classic. Cool. All I right. think we got it. We're good. Yep. Yep. All all good. All right. You've been listening to the Front Porch this episode one hundred and thirteen. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you like Star Trek or role playing podcasts about Star Trek, I keep trying to say that differently. You can check out our other show, <laughs> KlingonsandDragons.com. It is a Star Trek Adventures role playing podcast. And in real time, we just finished season one. Yep. I, yep. I'm announcing that we, we have completed an adventure. And, and the whole yeah, season yes. season arc. Where we take off to the gamma quadrant. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we get we get trapped in the go through the go through the badlands and right. uh, the wormhole. <laughs> Uh, if you have questions or comments, feedback on the show, and prefer email, you can do that, frontporchpod at gmail.com. On our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we got contact forms, the schedule for the 100 movies, and comment boxes on every episode. We also put show notes up there if there are any relevant show notes. We haven't talked about really any products recently, games or what have you, so there aren't too many show notes lately. But uh, that's all there anyway, older shows. Uh, if you enjoy this show you can subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify overcast wherever podcasts are found if you find one we're not on let me know so i can fix it thanks as always for listening and until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch all right everybody see you next time